Can God change your life in just 30 minutes? I believe you're watching right now because God has something special for you. I'm Jonathan Burness, and I'm a Jewish rabbi who follows Jesus. Join me for Jewish Voice and you'll discover how Bible prophecy is coming to pass before our very eyes and why you need to stand with Israel. You can play a role in God's end time plan. Find out how on Jewish Voice. This week we observe International Holocaust Remembrance Day. We at Jewish Voice remember the six million Jewish victims of the Holocaust and millions of other victims of this horrible period of history. We stand in unity against all forms of anti-Semitism, and I encourage you to also. Jonathan Burnus leads an organization called Jewish Voice Ministries International that reaches the scattered tribes of Jewish people around the world. Throughout history, the Jewish people have been driven out of Israel to many parts of the world. Since 1967, Jewish Voice has provided humanitarian aid in many countries that have communities of Jewish people while proclaiming the good news that Yeshua, Jesus, is Savior and Messiah to the Jew first and also to the nations. Jewish Voice has demonstrated God's love by providing medical care, eye care, and dental care all free of charge to some of the most impoverished people in the world. In Genesis 12:3, God promises to bless those who bless the Jewish people. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. And now, here's Jonathan Burnus. Yeah, praise the Lord. It's always an experience. I should have, I should have been better with those trumpet lessons, I guess. Well, I'm so glad you're with us today. Many of you know I'm a Jewish believer in Jesus. I call myself a Messianic Jew, which is simply a Jew who has found their Messiah. But understand that I have not left my Jewish identity, that I'm still a Jew, just like all the first believers in Yeshua and Jesus. And they didn't convert to another religion. They understood that they had found their promised Messiah. The, the Messiah prophesied in their own scriptures. And so the idea of being a Christian never occurred to them because there was no Christianity. They were Jews who had found their Messiah. And we call ourselves Messianic Jews. Now let me just tell you a little bit about my story. I grew up in a Jewish home and it was a traditional Jewish home. It wasn't an Orthodox home, it was a Reformed home. But Jewish identity was very important to me. From the time that I was this high, I knew the Shema in Hebrew. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Incidentally, that was the most important commandment to Jesus also. Yes. Remember, the rich young ruler came to him. What's the most important commandment? He said the Shema. Yes. So Jewish identity was important to me. I was taught that I was born a Jew, that I would die a Jew. And there was two groups in the world. There was us and them. Us were the Jews, them were the Gentiles or the Christians. There was no distinction between a Christian and a Gentile, a Protestant or Catholic. There was us and there was them. We had our holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Pesach, Passover. Christians had their holidays, Christmas, Easter, Lent, and so on. We had our rabbis. Christians had their priests and their pastors and the Pope. 
and it was this delineated us and them. I was also taught that we had our own scriptures. We called the scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, the Tanakh, the Torah, the writings, the prophets. And Christians had their book, the New Testament. And the one place they intersected was that I was taught that Christians not only believe their Bible, but our Bible too. Now, you guys called it the Old Testament. It wasn't Old Testament. We didn't have anything newer that I was aware of. <laughs> but uh, Christians validated our scriptures as being from God, but it didn't go the other way. I was taught that the New Testament was the book of the Christians, that it was anti-Semitic, that Jesus didn't like the Jewish people very much. I thought that Jesus was his first name. Christ was his family name. Jesus Christ, son of Mr. and Mrs. Christ. That's, that's what I believed. And I thought he grew up in Rome. I thought he was a Catholic. And that the New Testament was, if it had anything to do with the Jews, if it mentioned the Jews at all, it was negative. So that was kind of a forbidden book to read. Now, honestly, I didn't read the, the Old Testament either. I didn't read my own scriptures, which is true of most Jewish people in America and, and in Israel, for that matter. Uh, you may have a misconception that the Jewish co-worker that uh, you would like to reach out to but you're afraid to share with, or the Jewish neighbor uh, that you have knows the scriptures better than you do. They don't. It's very, very rare. Uh, Ten percent of the Jewish population in America is in any way observant, is orthodox. So I had never read my scriptures. Now I studied Hebrew and I prepared for my bar mitzvah 13. I read from the Torah, I read my Torah portion, but I never really learned to translate the Hebrew. When I was in college, I was confronted in a very profound way with the gospel. And I prayed a prayer, I was 20 years old, and I really, my mind wasn't really agreeing with the prayer because I'm, my mind is thinking, well, I'm not gonna do this. This isn't for me, this is a Christian thing, but I wanna get out of this, I was at a Bible study, I, I wanna get out of this uncomfortable, uh, uh, environment. So I prayed a prayer, but something in my heart changed. You know, I love what it says in Romans, with the heart we believe, with the heart we believe. Your mind may not be aligned with the things of God, but go with your heart. Renew your mind through what God has deposited in your heart. Amen. Faith dwells in the heart and something was released 38 years ago. And what came out of that was this insatiable hunger to read the Bible, and not just the Bible, but the New Testament, their book, your book. It wasn't mine then. Now, I could go into, I could tell you the story. It's, it's kind of funny how I tried to find a Bible. I didn't know where to get one. It's a, it's a long story, but I, long story short, I drove 100 miles on a motorcycle in the rain <laughs> to find a Bible that someone had given me four or five years earlier and said, you may read this someday. And I said, yeah, sure. Threw it into a box in my parents' home, but he was right. I want to encourage you. The Word of God does not return void. Does everybody hear that? It doesn't return void. And that Bible that I threw into my parents, into my closet at my parents' house was a seed. A seed that didn't grow for four years, but four years later, I drove 100 miles to find that Bible. I hope that encourages you. You may be praying for a loved one that's departed from the Lord, and you may have been praying for a long time, years. Don't give up. Don't give up. God will fulfill his word. 
God is patient. And God is not restricted by time as we are. So I found the Bible. I drove back another 100 miles, ran into my dorm room, locked the door, and I began to read the New Testament. And it blew my mind. I discovered that Jesus was Jewish, that he wasn't Catholic. I discovered he was born in Israel, not in Rome. He grew up in Israel, not in the Vatican. And it was just life transforming. It transformed my life from the core. Not only did I discover that Jesus was Jewish, but all of the first Christians, they weren't Christians, they were Messianic Jews who had found their promised Messiah. They were all Jews. The disciples were all Jews who lived as Jews, who died as Jews. The 120 in the upper room, all Jews. The 3,000 that were saved at Pentecost, it was Shavuot, it was a Jewish feast, a feast of the Lord, Leviticus 23 feast that was being observed by the men of Israel in the temple in Jerusalem. They were all Jews or proselytes to Judaism, the 5,000 saved thereafter. If my math is right, that's at least 8,120 Jewish believers in the Messiah of Israel, Yeshua, Jesus. And it was absolutely astounding. It was completely contrary to everything that I'd been taught growing up. Now that was amazing. But was, what was even more amazing was going back to my own Torah and prophets and discovering prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that predictively spoke of a Messiah that would come. And in almost every prophecy, I saw the imprint of Yeshua, of Jesus. Prophecies written hundreds of years before he was ever born. We call these messianic prophecies. And I want to speak today about messianic prophecy, prophecies about the Messiah. Now, why is messianic prophecy so important? I want to give you three reasons why studying messianic prophecy is so important to you as a Christian. Number one, it helps us better understand who Jesus is and what he fulfilled. If you love Jesus, if you love Yeshua, you want to get to know him better. And to get to, to know him better requires you to go back to the beginning and to look through the prophecies and come to understand that Jesus was a Jew, that his name was Yeshua, that he grew up as a Jew, died as a Jew, and remains Jesus the Jew, the son of Abraham, the son of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you think that he was a Jew and is no longer Jewish, you're going to be surprised. So the first thing is understanding who Jesus was and is and understanding the prophecies that he fulfilled. Let me show you a couple of scriptures that you may have never considered. The first one is Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 27. It says, Jesus, Yeshua, after his resurrection, this is after his resurrection, then beginning with, the, with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. So here's the resurrected Messiah coming into Bethany, and all of his disciples are 
in consternation. They've, they're, they're, they're hopeless. Our, our Messiah, our rabbi has died, and he now, without revealing who he is, takes them through the scripture to reveal his true purpose to them. What scriptures did he use? I'll tell you what scriptures he didn't use. He didn't use a New Testament because there was no New Testament. Now, some of you want to turn me off. Just stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> Call right now to get your copy of Jonathan Burnus' book, A Rabbi Looks at Jesus of Nazareth, along with a study guide and a DVD titled, 10 Biggest Lies About Jesus. All yours with a gift to Jewish voice of $40 or more. Rabbi Jonathan Burnus presents a deep examination of the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. With my traditional Jewish upbringing, this book will bring a powerful new perspective to your understanding of Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. Your support makes it possible for Jewish Voice to conduct important medical clinics in third world countries. Now many who support us choose to become monthly partners with us at $30 per month. $30 pays for medical care for one person. Just let us know you want to be a monthly partner and you'll receive the same materials we're offering today. And for new monthly partners, I'm going to personally sign a copy for you. Your help is so very important. Call now to get your copy of A Rabbi Looks at Jesus of Nazareth by Jonathan Burnus, along with a study guide and a DVD titled 10 Biggest Lies About Jesus. Yours with a gift today of only $40 or more. It's our way of saying thanks for your important gift to help the work of Jewish Voice Ministries International. Please call right now. Welcome back. I'm talking about Messianic prophecy and Messianic prophecy is so very important. Maybe you're used to hearing me talk about last day's prophecy well, there's another category of prophecy that is actually more important, and that's messianic prophecy. It's understanding who Jesus is. He's Yeshua and what he came to accomplish. And I left off with Luke 24, 27. Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to his disciples. He didn't reveal his identity. They were uh, losing hope. He had died. They weren't expecting that. And then it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. And he didn't have a New Testament. It wasn't written yet. He was using the Torah. He was using the prophets. He was using the Old Testament to reveal his true mission and purpose, that he would, would die. Did you know that Messianic prophecy in the Old Testament shows us that the Messiah would die? Repeatedly. It's in a number of places. So that's number one. We want to know more about him. We want to, if we love him, we want to know who he was, who he is, and what he's accomplished for us, and what he will accomplish in the days ahead. It's all in the Jewish scriptures. It's all in the Tanakh. It's all in the Old Testament. Number two, Messianic prophecy equips us to share our faith, especially with Jewish people. Look at Acts chapter 28, verse 23 and 24. It says they set a day, and this is, this is Paul in Rome. It says they set a day to meet Paul, and they came to him at his quarters in large numbers. So he's, he is confined to quarters, and people are coming to him, and he's expounding scripture. 
from morning until evening, it says, he was explaining everything to them, testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them about Yeshua. Now here, look at from where? From both the Torah of Moses and the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, while others refused to believe. Isn't that just like today? Yes. We share our faith and some are prepared to respond and others say, this is not for me. Or in my experience, some a little more with a little more hostility. That's okay <laughs> because we're planting seeds, right? Yes. Our job is not, to, is not to force anyone to believe. Our job is to open our mouth. It's God's job to open their heart. Yes. So some believe, some rejected, but Paul was expounding from morning to night the scriptures and he wasn't using the New Testament. He, it may be, he had written a number of books that were now being circulated, but he used the Torah and the prophets to reveal the Messiah. We should be able to do the same, especially for that Jewish friend that God has put into our life. And if he hasn't put a Jewish person into your life, I want you to pray for the Lord to bring a Jewish person into your life because you're called to be a light to them and you're called to draw them to jealousy, to draw them to the Lord through jealousy, to provoke them to jealousy. So number one, we learn more about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Two, we are better equipped to share our faith, which we've been called to do. But the third thing is it builds our faith. When I go back and I read prophecies that are fulfilled in detail, Hundreds of years later, it builds my faith. And we need more faith. I need more faith. Listen, we can pray and get more faith. We can read other scriptures and get more faith. But going to the messianic prophecies, predictive prophecies that were fulfilled in detail is faith building. It's an amazing experience. We can find over 300 prophecies in the Torah and the prophets that reveal where the Messiah would be born in detail. When the Messiah would be born at a very specific time. It's, it's prophesied in the Tanakh, in the Torah and the Prophets. So where he would be born, when he would come, who would he be a descendant of in detail what specifically he would accomplish for us, how he would fulfill this, and why he would come. So we have all of those questions, the who, what, when, how, where, is all answered in the Torah and the Prophets. It's all there. If you don't believe me, let's take a look together, okay? I don't have time to go through them all, but let's look at the first one, where? Where would the Messiah be born? Well, the answer was revealed hundreds of years before it happened. It's in, it's in Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2, and this is an amazing prophecy. Micah 5.2, but you Bethlehem, Ephratah, which I think is either a region or means fruitful, Bethlehem, and this was a little village, a nothing village, but the scripture points to Bethlehem and says, you Bethlehem, Though you be least among the clans of Judah, from you will come out to me one who will be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting, from eternity. This prophecy, by the way, is how Herod 
King Herod found out where Messiah would be born. Now he says, I wanted, he found out, he wanted to find out to worship him. No, he wanted to find out to wipe out any adversary. And he sent his armies to kill all male children under two years of age. This was a horrific tragedy, a massacre in history that we, we often don't think about. Herod used the scriptures or those familiar with the scriptures to find out where the Messiah would be born. And they were right. They knew before he came. Now, Yeshua was born in Bethlehem, but so was David. And some would argue, well, this is talking about King David. The problem with that is two things. One, this was written after King David came and went. But the second thing is that it tells us not only would the Messiah be born in Bethlehem, that he would be from old, from everlasting. Now, that's a really interesting contrast. This is what makes it so miraculous. Not only was this written hundreds of years before Yeshua was born, but predictively identifies that although he would be born, his existence was from eternity. That's mind-blowing. Yes. This is a prophecy of his birth and his pre-existence. Is there any prophecy that declares Messiah will be God? Not exactly, but this is like a patchwork quilt. When we look at Messianic prophecy, we have to see this prophecy, this, 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 and we have to put all of the pieces together. It's, it's a mystery. We're following the trail of the mystery, and Micah 5.2 is one of the great pieces of the, of the quilt. He's going to be born. A child is going to be born. A son is going to be given. God will empty. The Son of God will come out of heaven and be born of a woman, but he's existed from all eternity. And that's why we have on the one hand, Yeshua as man, but also in John we're told in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God because the one who would be born in Bethlehem has always existed from the beginning of time, from eternity. It's incredible. And it's all in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, hundreds of years before the Messiah ever comes. That's incredible. I'm feeling my faith building just as I'm talking about this. He is not only the one born of the woman, but he's from eternity. He's perfectly man, perfectly God. Amazing. So Micah chapter 5, verse 2, amazing. He'll be born, but he's existed from all eternity. Specifically Bethlehem, a nothing village that becomes the place of the Messiah's birth by the way, following King David, because he's the son of David. So Bethlehem, by the way, incidentally, Bethlehem is from two Hebrew words, bait, which means house, and lechem, which is bread. Isn't it interesting that the bread of life is born in the house of bread? I just think that's really great. Hey, very quickly, let me, let me give you one more. Time runs out so quickly. Not only do we, do we find out where in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, we find out when. Very clearly, Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, and I'll just briefly touch on this, where it says that 70 weeks are decreed concerning your people and your holy city to put an end to transgression, to bring sin to an end, to atone for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, and to seal up vision and prophecy and anoint the holy of holies. So this is a prophecy about God's plan to one, atone for sin, two, to bring in everlasting righteousness, 
and three to finish prophecy or fulfill prophecy and then finally to dedicate the temple. And we're specifically told that the anointed one, which is Mashiach in Hebrew, Messiah. Oh, it, there's nothing about that specifically says Christ in the Old Testament. Wrong. Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which comes from the Hebrew Mashiach, which is Messiah, which means anointed one. And that's what it says in the texture. The Mashiach will come before the destruction of the temple, and the destruction of the temple took place in 70 AD. In other words, the Messiah had to be born before 70 AD. Had to be. Read it, study it, you'll see it. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. I'm out of time. I could go on and on, but I want to close by encouraging you to study, to show yourself approved. Be a workman who rightly divides the word of truth and understands messianic prophecy. It will benefit you, it will build your faith, and it will help you be a, a light to that Jewish person that God has put into your life. Call right now to get your copy of Jonathan Burnus' book, A Rabbi Looks at Jesus of Nazareth, along with a study guide and a DVD titled, 10 Biggest Lies About Jesus, all yours with a gift to Jewish voice of $40 or more. Rabbi Jonathan Burnus presents a deep examination of the evidence that Jesus is the Messiah. With my traditional Jewish upbringing, this book will bring a powerful new perspective to your understanding of Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth. Your support makes it possible for Jewish Voice to conduct important medical clinics in third world countries. Now many who support us choose to become monthly partners with us at $30 per month. $30 pays for medical care for one person. Just let us know you want to be a monthly partner and you'll receive the same materials we're offering today and for new monthly partners, I'm gonna personally sign a copy for you. Your help is so very important. Call now to get your copy of A Rabbi Looks at Jesus of Nazareth by Jonathan Burnus, along with a study guide and a DVD titled, 10 Biggest Lies About Jesus. Yours with a gift today of only $40 or more. It's our way of saying thanks for your important gift to help the work of Jewish Voice Ministries International. Please call right now. Well, that does it for today. I want to close the program as I always do by reminding you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122.6 says, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they shall prosper that love thee. So this is a way to prosper by praying for Israel and the Jewish people this week. Hey, I want to stand with you. I know that many of you have a need and you've been praying. I join my faith with yours and I command that job to come forth. I command divine provision to come forth. I speak healing into your life and I speak restoration and victory. Every prayer that you've prayed, Lord, I join my faith with everyone watching. May it come to pass in Yeshua's name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, please know God loves you. So do I. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Bernis saying shalom and God bless you. Don't miss the Jewish Voice 2019 Israel Tour. You'll walk the ancient streets where Yeshua walked.
You'll learn from Jonathan Burnus as he shares teachings at historic sites like the Old City of Jerusalem and other inspiring locations throughout Israel. You'll also enjoy your choice of four or five-star accommodations, make new friends, savor some of Israel's most delectable foods, and experience memorable adventures, such as being baptized in the River Jordan or renewing your wedding vows aboard a boat on the Sea of Galilee. For more information, call 800-299-9374 or go to jewishvoice.tv slash Israel. 